0: Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Today we're doing a little recorded style podcast. We're not doing it live. Well, we're live. There's no other people here except for Andrew and Sherry. It's very quiet. But this is a special occasion. We had to fit this in because we've got Danny Khan. From 1792, that's actually not the distillery. The distillery is the very old Barton distillery, or it just says Barton on your shirt. Barton 1792 distillery is our official title. Oh, oh, I've always thought of it as the very old Barton distillery, which is like a little known treasure in Kentucky. If you go to Louisville and do the whiskey trail, it's like the people who are in the know, they're like, oh, you got to go to very old Barton. And, And they call it Barton's. Barton's. Yes. The locals call called Barton's. And it's a big local favorite, but I don't think you guys have that much. I mean, out here in California, people say 1792. They don't, we don't have a sense of the distillery in the same way that you do like Maker's Mark Distillery or Buffalo Trace Distillery or Stitzel Weller, all those kind of things. It's just yeah. you guys have kind of been a little under the radar. Is well, it? We're, we're pretty humble, I think. That's and, a good um, thing. you know, we
1: don't, we don't wave our flag um, maybe as much as we should, but it's a pretty cool place. Um, I encourage people to come. It's a very genuine distillery. I like to call it gritty. Um, it predates 1890. Um, we still have some of the original structure that goes back to the 1890s. So um, it's been around a while, and I believe we're the oldest continually operating distillery, certainly in Bardstown and maybe a wider range. Wow. And so where does the name 1792 come from? So 1792 is the year, and I believe it was June 3rd of that year, where um, Kentucky County annexed from
0: Virginia and became a state. Aha. Uh-huh. Key historical moment. And this <laughs> stuff, you guys just didn't, the barrel proof, or one of these marks just won a big award, it, like, just like in the last month, right? It certainly
1: did. It won, um, and I'm um, if you can, I, I, you can't hear me smiling. Yeah, but your, your face
0: <laughs> is smiling. It's,
1: I can see. It. You can see it. Um, it won Jim Murray's World Whiskey Award winner. So um, that is not necessarily the best bourbon, but is the best whiskey for 2020. So I think that wow. corresponds with um, when he releases his next version of the whiskey bible.
0: So that means it's including like all the Macallans, all the all the whiskeys in the world. That's wow. my understanding. Boom. Yes, the best whiskey in the world. You heard it right here from Jim Murray. Actually, Jim Murray is not right here, but that's a huge deal because he tastes something crazy like 50,000 whiskeys Fifteen thousand whiskeys per year or something. I know that he's constantly doing blind tastings. Like his tasting program is like the the most famous in all the world, one of them for sure. And the whiskey bible is we have, you know, all the editions from the last like fifteen years. Ever since we opened the bar, we've got a whole area on the library shelf of all of Jim Murray's whiskey Bibles. It's a big deal. He is certainly a respected taster. So How did you get into the whiskey business? You said you're from here in L.A.? I'm from Los Angeles. But now you live in Bardstown? Now I live in Bardstown. And you're the distillery manager? I am the master distiller. Master distiller. Which means my responsibilities
1: are um, grain selection, coming into the distillery, and all of the processes, the milling. Um, the mashing, the fermenting, the distillation, um, making of the juice, and that's kind of where the distilling stops, and the dry house, and our boiler operation, incoming water. Um, that sort of all falls under the distillery umbrella, and then I'm also responsible for the warehouse operation. So that's filling the barrels, putting them in the warehouse, pulling them out of the warehouse, um, uh, the blends that uh, become
0: 1792. So that's that's my scope of, of operation. Yeah. And so the 1792... Is this a weeded bourbon would you call it a traditional mash bill is this a high rye bourbon what kind of whiskey are you guys make so the
1: majority of our um our offerings and, and certainly everything that we're looking at here and what we're going to be tasting this is all of our um our, our standard uh, mash bill so it is considered to be a high rye bourbon um, we also um, do a high rye which we call high rye which is quite a bit more rye on top of that and then we also do a weeded bourbon oh, wow. and in the past we've done um, you know some port finish stuff um, so we're, we're fooling around a little bit but the majority of our bourbon is considered to be a high rye bourbon
0: and in addition to being kind of a local favorite in kentucky you guys aren't one of the big four you're much smaller right you're not like what's your output in terms of the 1792 every year we're um
1: we're producing a lot Really? Uh, yeah, we're producing. We're we're you know historically a lot of the distilleries go down for a pretty big chunk of time every year. Our shutdown window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're for the most part distilling forty seven weeks a year, maybe forty eight. We're getting close. Uh, we would do more if we could. We're distilling twenty four six. We will cook and distill six days a week. We go down one day a week to clean the still. And to do some other maintenance type stuff. Uh, but we're and we're feeding our still at about, you know, 150 gallons per minute. We're we're pretty we're pretty
0: sizable. And in terms of back set, when you guys are pumping that stuff into the still, how much of the new fermentation is actually kicked back from the previous batch? Like, how much of sour mash are you using in each fermentation? Well, our, so we don't cascade fermenter to fermenter. Our back
1: set is the liquid portion that comes off of the still. So it's the liquid portion of the stillage. Oh, okay. So there's not an active culture in there. But what is in there is um, a lot of the organic acids that um, are not volatile. So it's a method of pH control. Mm-hmm. But also, there's an incredible amount of yeast nutrition. So you've got all the old yeast cells. You've got a bunch of proteins that come from the rye and the barleys and the corn that provide nutrition for the next set of um, fermentation. So our back set is added out of the still back into um, the cooker.
0: How much percentage of that you think?
1: It it's um, it's pretty it's pretty sizable. I don't think in terms of percentage and the amount we add fluctuates based on. Um, the pH of that particular. Mm-hmm. So we're not controlling it based on a volume. We're controlling it based on H7. a pH because that is so important for enzyme reactions that convert starch into sugar and also for just um, yeast functionality. You know, there's a, there's a sweet spot and, and it is all about the flavor. So if our yeasts are happy, they're making good beer, which will become good bourbon.
0: Do you guys have a proprietary yeast strain that you use, and do you use different yeast strains for the different kinds of whiskeys that you make?
1: So we use a single yeast strain for all of our yeast, and it is um, proprietary. Um, you know, there's always some fooling on going around. You know, we're, we we play around a little bit, but
0: for our bourbons, it is all one yeast. I skipped over the part about how you got to be a yes. master distiller in Kentucky, yes. coming from Los Angeles, because that's uh. that seems crazy because there's so many people that you know grow up on the distillery and like you know there's this like oh, yeah. familial kind of air yeah, around the whole yeah. distilling world in
1: Kentucky well it's a good story and I'll start by saying that my dad was born and raised in Louisville and he left came to California I came to California when I told him hey dad I'm going back to Georgia, Kentucky and he said what the are you doing and I explained why and he was thrilled but my path is that um I went to University of California Davis as a chemical engineer and um, it was during that period i learned um, the necessity of making beer i made beer more for economic reasons than anything else and it just so happens that uc davis has a brewing program so i sort of shifted my focus and ended up graduating with a degree in fermentation science i worked at several wineries while i was a college student and then i took a job um, at a major brewery right out of college and, um, and that was um, just an incredible technical education that feeds right into distillation. If you think about it, um, distillers are making beer, and then they distill it. But there's the flavor science. And if you think about the levers that I have to pull to create flavor, it's what grain bills I'm using. It's the fermentation, which is critically important. Um, it's the barrel aging. Um, it's how we blend. Um, it's how... Um, Process changes can affect flavor. If I get a little bit of a burnt note, I need to know what part of the process might that be coming from. So by learning the process um, and understanding where those flavors are developed, um, everything I learned in brewing translates very nicely to distillation. So I had a long, long career in many, many very technical roles at two breweries. And um, this opportunity came up. And I've been a collector and a fan of bourbon for the last 25 years. So it seemed like a natural progression. And, you know, there's a nice way and a a not so nice way to say it. But, you know, beer wants to be bourbon when it grows up. (laughs) That's the nice way, by the way. Or at least a nice pairing. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it, that you know. some beer I'm, just likes to be right next to a nice glass of bourbon there's there's no doubt about it I, I'm a fan of a Boilermaker now not the kind where you drop the shot glass in the no, beer no. but you get a nice beer with an incredible neat bourbon
0: that's my favorite cocktail it,
1: it is a wonderful cocktail I, I, I'm I a fan of the
0: Boilermaker yep. I don't dump it in there, I just sip them side by side I Absolutely. use the beer to cool my palate yes. in the heat of the whiskey and they expand each other off. Yes, you know? the effervescence actually is almost cleansing. It sort of um,
1: you know cleans the palate, and they work so well together. But that's a great cocktail. Oh boy, he's making me thirsty now. Yeah, me too. Well,
0: let's <laughs> taste some whiskeys.
1: Yes. Okay. So we have four in front of us. Sorry for those that cannot see this, but um, but we've got um, and and I'll just speak to them very quickly. We've got our small batch. We've got our single barrel. We've got our bottled and bond, and we've got our full proof. So these do all have uh, the same grain bill. Um, It's our high rye uh, mash bill. And um, the one thing that I like to talk about when I talk about our bourbons, you know, what what makes us different? You know, yeah, we've got different equipment. The way we cook our grains has an impact on the flavor. The way we ferment them, the types of fermenters we use, the still we've got. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that's also really interesting in my mind about our bourbons is that we use a yeast that is really quite flavorful. It produces um, a lot of really interesting fruity characters and most notable it produces a little bit of a banana note, which is amyl acetate. And it's not like a Hefeweizen, which is overwhelmingly banana. It's very, very, very subtle. Mm-hmm. And, and what excites me about that, as well as the other esters that our yeast produce, is that those are some of the components that when you get into bourbons that are eight years old, you um, you have a lot of interaction with those fermentation components. A lot of those acids, a lot of those esters, and a lot of those other flavor components are oxidized. And that's where you get some of the really incredible sort of um, um, aged fruit notes, ripe cherries, stone fruits. So not fresh fruits, but aged fruits. And, and that's the complexity that I look for when I'm, you know, looking for a bourbon that I really want to enjoy. So that's one of the things that to me stands out about our bourbon. So if we want to talk about these in particular, Small Batch is our flagship. Um, it comes in at a 93.7 proof. Um, this I is going to be about about, about about eight years old. There's a certain grassiness to it too. Yeah. So, so, you know, for every sip of bourbon I will take, I will probably sniff it. 20 or 30 times. You know, I, I, I don't get tired of that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes me happy to um, makes you say it. Happy too. Well, <laughs> everything in moderation. So, That's um, right. I, I try to, I try to take good care of myself. I mm-hmm. think this is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I get is up front, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of stone fruit for sure. Um, right off the bat, I'm getting the spicy pepperiness from the rye. Um, Mm -hmm. we use a very interesting rye varietal mix. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm getting a lot of the spice, the peppers from the rye
0: green, green grassy. I'm getting like cherries and green grass.
1: Yeah. I think that green grass to me is, um, is, is rye. rye. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking up a sort of spicy and it's almost like, um, you know, silage if people know what that is. And Mm -hmm. I find that to be a wonderful smell, but the the (laughs) fruit, what do you call me?
0: (laughs) No, no, but that's what they feed the pigs. I believe that's
1: what they do. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. But a lot, a, lot of, a lot of stone fruit, um, a little bit of caramel. Um, and, and on that note about um, us having a yeast that produces a little bit of banana, occasionally I'll hear people refer to our bourbons as banana foster, which is, well, uh, you know, the way you cook a banana, right? You cook it in mm-hmm. butter and maybe some, some other alcohol and you caramelize it. So you think about the caramel from the bourbon barrel and the banana from the yeast and it, it makes oh perfect sense.
0: I'm getting, like, so, a, that subtle banana comes through now, really strong, but then dark chocolate on the finish. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah, the caramel, dark chocolate, vanilla, ice cream. I can see that Bananas Foster's reference 100%. Yeah. That you, is exquisite. You know what else? Um, one, one thing that is also special about this bourbon, I'll
1: drink this neat all day. Mm. But because of the complexity, I think it's incredible in a cocktail. Mm. And my cocktails are simple. They're always spirit forward.
0: You know, an old-fashioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, is a classic. Bourbon Manhattan. Because it's high rye enough, it'll stand up in a Manhattan. There's no doubt the, about it. The sweet vermouth. No doubt about that.
1: Um, so so because of that spiciness, it's got body, and it'll stand
0: up well in a cocktail. Oh, that is damn good bourbon. If I was going to get, is Sherry might know this. Oh, geez. She ran off. I might uh, know it. What is the bottle price? At my local liquor store. Because it's going to be different in Kentucky than it is out in L.A. I think that our our booze is more expensive out here.
1: So I cannot tell you what your price will be because of how things are priced. Right. But MSRP is coming in around $25. bucks.
0: That is a totally affordable. is that incredible? Brilliant. The flavor profile is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's really it, great. It really Are you guys doing open fermentation or is it closed fermentation? They're, they're closed
1: fermentation. Okay. I've got uh, currently 16 fermenters. They're... They're sizable. Um, We put four cooks into one fermenter. They're about 48,000 gallons per fermenter. And um, most of them are um, um, old, um, built in the 40s, some in the 60s, and they're carbon steel. And I've got a few that were built in 2018 that are stainless steel. And we're putting in a couple more. And you guys are running a big, fat column still or pot stills? We've got column steel. Yeah, we've got a six-foot diameter, Wow. 45, I believe, um, height, column steel, 26 um, trays. Uh, the majority of them are sieve trays, which are just um, stainless steel with holes in them. And then I've got a de-entrainment tray, and that's sort of our stripping section. And then above it, we've got a rectifying section. So it's got... One de-entrainment um, tray and three bubble caps and some demister pads. And that's just all...
0: And those are copper in there, those
1: bubble trays? A lot of copper. Okay. A lot of copper, yeah. Copper is really important for our process.
0: Can you explain that for somebody who might not understand?
1: Yes. Well, I could talk about that one. We could take just the... Just
0: briefly. I know you've got another event. <laughs> Everybody wants you. You're like, this is very yeah. unusual to have a master distiller in the house. And like your travel schedule, you just been flying all day, came straight from LAX here. He's got people waiting in another room for him right now to do this... Uh, industry event you're a wanted man so we we'll, i'll talk super fast and sometimes I'll, time shrinks you just don't know how it happens i'll, I'll talk, talk about copper in a couple ways a couple ways one in the um,
1: cooker and the fermentation the cooker it actually helps um, stabilize some enzymes a little bit but more importantly copper is really important for yeast metabolism and it's a cofactor, and it just helps some of their enzyme system so it makes better um, juice makes better beer that will become better bourbon but in the still Um, there's a lot of aromas that we don't really want in the beer that goes in the still. Copper does a really good job of what sometimes people say, cleaning it out. But copper binds very nicely with sulfur compounds, which are often some of those negative flavors, and it removes them. So it cleans out the spirit and just um, lets us highlight on the flavors that we want to highlight on. Perfect. So, So copper is critical.
0: The second one. Second is, one. Let's go with yeah, number 2. Is this is our single barrel. Single barrel. Oh, I love me a good single barrel. So,
1: it's um it's a
0: little bit this
1: is actually that proof, that something looks like. Anyways, it's 98.6 proof. Um I don't think in terms of ABV in the same way. But Ooh, what's wow. really cool about the single barrel and and it literally is a single barrel. We will dump one barrel. We will put it in a little tank. We'll get the water in to proof it to the right level, and we'll package it, we'll blow out the lines, and then we'll do it again. So it's a slow process. I can do about 12 of those a day. But the nice thing about the single barrel is is that there is variability here that I cannot control. I can control my cooking within reason, different grains, different years. I can control my fermentations reasonably well. I can control the still, but I cannot control the variability that comes with single barrels. So. Every single barrel, um, every time I go out, I try to try single barrel because it's going to be different. Oh, yeah. And, and there are some really, really special single barrels out there. And, and, and it's, it's, it's part of the process that we like to call art. Um, and I often will say that when we call it art, it means we don't totally understand it. You know, so it's art, um, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of art in what we do, and I don't want to diminish that. There's science and there's art, but there's a lot of things we don't understand. And the way the tree grows, and the way it's um, you know the grain that might be in those staves in that particular barrel, it's something we can't control. What part of the warehouse it's in is going to produce an effect. Is it on the aisle? Is it seeing more airflow? Is it internal? Is it cooler? So there's things that affect each individual barrel. So the single barrel is special because you get differences
0: that are um, sometimes significant this to me which is again it's a single barrel so this could change every time but i I get like sourdough toast so uh it it's definitely got this toasty thing that's i'm attributing to that large amount of contact of charred oak to whiskey but this beautiful like really great bready thing happening here It is different than the small batch, though. It's different than the first one. Totally different. I'm not getting that mintiness. I'm not getting those herbaceous qualities, that green kind of verdant notes. This is way oakier. You've got a lot of dryness on the palate. Caramel comes through really strong. I still get that banana. It's a beautiful banana thing coming through. But the oak comes through much more strongly on this. It's
1: different, and that's the beauty of the single barrel. You know, because yeah, they are yeah. different. One of one of uh, the treats and the joys of my job is that I get a chance to taste all of the single barrels that people and groups come in to select in our distillery. And every so often, you know, there's been a handful of just legitimate honey barrels. You know, the ones that stand out as being, you know, wow, how did that happen? Why is that so much different than... All the others that are really, really good. But mm-hmm. the genuine honey barrels are, are things that um, is a quest of mine. Let's, let's
0: put it that way. That is brilliant. As it lingers up in my palate, I'm getting toasted coconut on top of that Bananas Foster. Yeah. Really delicious. Yeah. And you know,
1: that, that toasted coconut, that's interesting. Now, unfortunately, we're not tasting it here, but we just released our age 12 year, And it was a pretty small release. And it just is explosive with toasted coconut. And that's a compound called a lactone, and it's a function of the barrel charring. And for some reason in our bourbons, it really, even though it's a function of the oak, we don't really see that until we get 10 years or more. Sometimes we'll see it, but it really stands out once we get to 10 years. So we don't see that too often, but I'm, I'm getting it as well. Wow, that's gorgeous. All right,
0: I hate to rush, but I let's, know let's do you've number got four first. Number four first, yes. Oh Squad of order. Okay. okay.
1: This is a bottled and bond. So of course everyone knows that means that
0: it's four years or more. It's closer to eight. Um, Whoa! This was very. Hunterproof. I'm getting like a way um, the butterscotchy note comes through really strongly on this one. Also, there's a, a touch of like I don't know maybe like a new mommy thing, like a smoked ham thing happening in here. Yeah, I'm getting some really interesting herbal
1: stuff. I'm getting um, what I, in a very nondescript way, I suppose. I'm getting a lot of fermentation character, which is some of those fruity notes.
0: Yeah, I still get that cherry coming
1: in there as well as that banana. That's like across the whole line. It's got a lot of a lot of spice in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the rye in this one really comes forward.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not an
1: alcohol heat I'm tasting. That's a, a rye spice. Spicy heat.
0: Yeah, like uh, clove and and cinnamon and nutmeg.
1: And this to me, you know, I will often make cocktails with the one that we're going to with the 125 proof. But the bottled and bond is a pretty good proof to make a really
0: nice cocktail with. And it it stands up well. Yeah, well, the grip on your palate is so chocolatey, but it's drying. And it's like you can totally stand up in a Manhattan. Put a big quality piece of ice on there and let it open up with a little few minutes on it. Oh, yeah. That's going to be an incredible... I think it's going to become more floral. That herbaceous thing, to me, in my mind, with the little citrus zest on top of it, it's just going to open yeah. up and just be magnificent. You know, that's a great point. And I know we don't have a lot of time, but I um, uh, recently
1: did a, um, a little bit of a tasting party where I made 14 uh, glasses, and I measured precisely the bitters that I put into it in the syrup. And then I put two ounces of 14 different spirits bourbon or rye whiskey and made 14 old fashions and we tasted them blind and it's fascinating you know because even as a professional taster i think i can predict but until you do it you don't really know and there were some real surprises but for sure the ones that had a little bit more rye were the ones that stood up um, even in a very toned down old fashion you know mm-hmm. be an old Fashioned, a manhattan you know whiskey sour whatever it is you know as long as you do the right proportions. Um, it was incredible what an exercise that was.
0: Love so we're going to do another one soon. I'm not sure what it's going to be. but um, So the last one. That sounds like a really fun party. Just lining up 14 old fashions for everybody to taste. Made them due to comments. One. And we, we evaluated. a party host you are. <laughs> Work is hard.
1: Uh, so this is our foolproof. And this is the Jim Murray Whiskey Bible World Whiskey winner. And um, so foolproof, a couple differences. You know, it is the same grain bill that we were talking about. Um, it is not chill filtered, and that does have an effect on this particular bourbon. So it might go a little bit cloudy, but it's got some of those, you know, medium chain fatty acids and oils that will otherwise um, cause it to look a little fuzzy or a little cloudy. So it's in there, and it impacts viscosity and mouthfeel and flavor. Um, but again, this is 125 proof, wow. and it, it sips like butter to me. Oh, yeah, I'm getting that really toasty note so on top much, of the nose. There's so much stone fruit and semi fermented um, ripe fruits, what I call ripe or aged fruits, going like, on with this like one. like
0: prunes and then like
1: toasted coconut. Yeah, I never like to say prunes. I like to say dried plums. Dried plums?
0: <laughs> it makes me feel old when I talk about prunes. <laughs> it's the same thing. I've got to go to the bathroom. Let's stop this interview. No, but but, but um, but you know, aged
1: fruits. You know, when you what you're doing is you're concentrating them, right? You're getting rid of the water, so those flavors um, change a little bit. You know, they oxidize, but they also get concentrated,
0: and that's what I love about foolproof. So there's evaporative condensation. There's some kind of oxidations. What's the other technical term? I know there's like three key things that are happening in that maturation. The the oxidation is key too. It, it kind of like Oh, it's super key. It, it yeah. melds the whiskey to itself. It changes the mouthfeel. So oh, many things going on Oxidation
1: right? is so critical. You know, if you were to get the same color out of a bourbon by putting it in a smaller barrel at a high temperature for a shorter period of time, you don't get those slow oxidation reactions. And to me, when you're tasting aged bourbons, it's those components that, you know, really set the pack aside. I mean, it sets, sets things apart. It's, it's those fruity oxidized characters in a positive way in conjunction with the caramel and the vanilla and the spices that come
0: with the um, the charring process. Oh, my God. They? It's got like bubble gum on the tongue. It's totally different than the nose. I guess the nose is just overwhelming because it's foolproof, but it's like it's nutty. It's got cherries. It's got bubble gum. This one's it's got like- coconut. This one's exploding with that lactone coconut. Mm, that is exquisite. I can see yeah. why why Jim Murray liked it, and I think it's because it is foolproof. It as you salivate and you get it on your tongue, it just keeps opening up, and more flavors jump out at you. It's really, really cool. You know, you know when I taste a bourbon, you know I'm trying to look for the
1: primary components, and then once I've identified them, I, I try to ignore them and look what's below it and then below it, and then below it, just to discover those layers. And there are layers upon layers of just wonderfulness in the foolproof. I'm, I'm a fan. I,
0: I hate to. A huge fan. And, and, Jim Burry, and Jim Burry is absolutely right. This is absolutely world-class whiskey, if not the best in the world. So sayeth Jim. Jim. Well, I know you got people waiting for you, so I'm going to make you an agreement. You just let me have these three bottles that are on the table, and I'll let you go do your other event. And all those people who are waiting in the other room, they won't get mad at either of us. And I end up coming up on some awesome whiskey. Happy Christmas to me. Yeah. Kwanzaa time. Whoa, Hanukkah Festival of Lights. This is awesome day. Thanks for that, Danny. Just gonna give me it all. No, seriously, though, thank you for coming in. My pleasure taking the time out. Hopefully, we can get you back in sometime. I know that you actually have to run a distillery, but it is great to be able to talk to the man who actually is in charge of making the juice. And this is very special juice. And I want to bring more people into the world of understanding Barton because I, I still think you guys don't have the profile that you deserve. Do you guys? Do that on purpose. You say you're humble, but like is the idea are you private labeling for other people? Are you making whiskeys for other people and kinda trying to stay under the radar for that reason? No, not at all. I, I don't think it's a strategy. I just
1: think that um, you know, we do our thing. And uh, you know, we're part of Sazerac. Um and I think we do our thing, and I think people are starting to notice it, and I think that's gonna give opportunity. So, you know, I am creating a lot of juice. I will tell you that we do make some, we've had some long-term contracts, we're making some for others, and um, that goes away soon. Right, and that which across is, the industry which is it's nice. already gone away.
0: A lot of like Jim Beam and Four Roses yeah. and those big boys, That pretty much all, most of those old contracts have gone by the wayside, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so for us it's not a
1: strategy. I think it's just um, we're kind of our head down and we're doing what we do best. So right on, it's, amazing it's,
0: stuff. So within the Sazerac portfolio, you guys don't make the Sazerac Rye there, right? No. That's made up in Canada or something, right? Like No, that's made a Buffalo Trace. Oh, a Buffalo Trace. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. Wow. And so you guys focus on 1792 for the Sazerac. And- I make 1792. And
1: we use some of our um, younger bourbons for some other blends, you know, some Kentucky gentlemen maybe. But our focus is absolutely 1792.
0: And I don't. Do we have in Southern California? Do we have very old Barton available here? I don't think we do, right? It's, we, we, it's Kentucky only kind of we thing. We do not. But I know. Again,
1: I shouldn't speak outside of my lanes. But I know there has been discussion about getting very old Barton out here.
0: When I was in Kentucky, I think I had the very old Barton 12 year, and it was like, I was just like blown away. It was mind blowing whiskey. Hopefully, we'll get it in California. Come on. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Danny. Danny Kahn, ladies and gentlemen, from 1792. So wonderful to have you out. Thanks for taking the time. This has been great. Please come out again, and we'll do a full fledged whiskey society for. All the wonderful enthusiasts we have here in in L.A. Love to. Wonderful to meet you, man. And and thanks for coming home. You need to come back, too, because your daughter's going to school out here. Yes. I'm not saying where. Private. Mind your own business. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Cheers, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post production and audio services. This show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan, Executive Producer Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking